friends, Chris Sauter, lead pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. So maybe you missed it, but does anyone know our theme for the year? Anyone? No. It's not survival. No, it's not that. That's not, that's not the theme. Uh, it's uh, an ev- like to evolve, to continue to transform. Um, because to be human means that you transform. Like when it comes to your emotions, hopefully you're evolving. And when it comes to your body, right? Nikki and I, when my partner and I went on a date last night and we we're talking about what things do we do now that confirms that we're 40? And, or, you know, like, that's old. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, like, how do you know you're getting older? And we had this whole conversation. Like, even asking this question means that we're officially old. So, um, why am I telling you that story? I don't even remember. Oh, um, that, that your body's going to change, right? Like, your body's going to evolve. It has to. I was actually talking with um, a friend of mine. Um, he, in his office, he had this conversation about politics, culture, social issues, and how everyone can come together and problem solve and have these ideas and share perspectives and be open-minded and, and like talk things out and like land at a place like, oh, I never would have imagined I would have thought that. But when it comes to anything about God or spirituality or the Bible, it just shuts down. And like that creativity, that open-mindedness, just like it's done. And they're like, no, this is the way it has to be. Why is it that we can be so um, expansive or fluid or like, have new discoveries in a lot of different areas when it comes to spirituality somewhere some way someone told us no you get to a point you get a level you get to a truth you get to a certainty and that's just where you live and you don't have to get creative and I, my whole thought is why not why not get curious why not like learn more in that process as you are evolving in your faith um and people use different words um like deconstruction i'm not the biggest fan of, of the i not not the idea, the word deconstruction. I like the word of order, disorder, and reorder, that like we continually, as we learn, we're putting things down, we're pausing, we're trying new things, we're picking things back up. And so I thought for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna start a new series called um, Reimagining. That's been my, my favorite word for like the last year. I probably used it a couple 13, 14 times on the camera, but I just, I love the idea of, uh, instead of like saying I have to like be done with something, it's like, well, I can just reimagine um, Reimagine, like today I'm talking about prayer. Sarah is gonna be talking about reimagining worship in like two, two weeks, two, yeah, after grandmas. Um, because worship for me is one of those things, if I've gone through my um, reordering, 
there was, a, I remember, I don't know, right before we planted the church, worship just felt really um, inauthentic for me, not the people doing it. It felt really shallow. It's like, am I having this emotional response because of a chord change or because I'm feeling God? Is the word sloppy wet kiss, is that really how I envision that's a worship song, right? Like, do I envision, does that make me feel closer to God? Or am I just, is this part of like a group mentality? Is this like a mob think? And I had to like pause worship. I would be in the room because I was required to be in the room, but I, right? And I had to find and reimagine new ways of worshiping, which for me, worship is I'm listening to Sarah sing. I sometimes sing, right? But it's also going for walks. It's also um, reading poetry. I had to like reimagine what worship is. And I, it has um, rejuvenated my um, love for worship. We're going to be talking about, this is Melissa Hendricks' favorite word. We're going to be talking about evangelizing. Right? We're going to reimagine evangelizing, which I love because we should be, right? And evangelizing means you're, you're just you're spreading the good news. When evangelism is about getting a person to deliver on a certain thing so then you can get credit for something, that's not good. We don't want to do that. But we can reimagine what it means to talk about beautiful things. We can reimagine what it talks about um, the goodness of um, God and how wonderful she is. Like, that is powerful. That's dynamic. So today, I'm talking about prayer. Um, if you're an introvert, you're not gonna like this, so you can go to the bathroom if you'd like, but I'd like you to self-identify. Um, who here considers himself bad at prayer? You say like, I'm a bad prayer, right? Yeah, me too, I'm in there too, all right? <laughs> I, um, like when I, I remember actually talking to Jamie over here, <laughs> we were talking about small group, I'm like, do you wanna pray? And she's like, don't please don't ask me to pray. I'm bad at prayer. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I still feel that way, right? Um, like, I get asked to, like, to pray at weddings or even at, like, Thanksgiving. We, at one point, had four pastors of the family, and they're like, well, Tina can't pray. We have to have one of the professionals prayer. And if I had asked someone else to pray, I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm really bad at prayer. Why do we feel like we're, well, I can officially tell you that I am probably the worst at prayer because I got a D in college called Life of Prayer. You got a D. Did you, did you have to take that class? Yeah. No, I got a D. Yeah. And the reason was, it's again, um, it's not my fault. Uh, the class was at class was at seven in the mornings, and our school was a very Pentecostal, charismatic school. So Life of Prayer wasn't like um, chanting. It wasn't silence. It would be like a hundred people in this room. And he'd get up, I, I wish I remembered his name, and he'd, he'd be like, all right, come on. He'd like get the crowd, work up. He's like, all right. He'd start yelling how dumb the devil is. Let's go, Jesus, right? And then he'd like yell, screaming, um, speaking in tongues. And everyone would get up, and the crowd would like moving. It's 7 in the morning, right? <laughs> and so Bill White and I, we'd stand up like, all right, let's get it going. And then once the crowd got up, we'd lay down and, and sleep. <laughs> yeah. Hence why I got a D in life of prayer, right? But the, the, the whole idea of, of prayer, the reason that we might think we're intimidated by it or um, we feel like we're bad at it because it's like you have to get like your prayer voice, right? You know your prayer voice? You have to get like some deep voice like this and you have to use words that you never use in like normal life, right? But there's like this, there's a, this pressure that we have to deliver on something. There's this pressure that if we don't get it, right, then is it bad? If I'm bad at prayer, is God mad at me, right? So like, what even is prayer? Like prayer for me has evolved significantly from when I was a kid. I, 
I'm going to be honest with it. Having your mom, when you use examples of your parents and they're sitting right in front of you, is always really great for them, right? <laughs> but I still remember being a little kid and my mom, down in the basement, um, taught my brother Dano and I um, to the salvation prayer, asking Jesus into our heart. And as a kid, that was incredibly meaningful to me. I still remember, I still have emotions. And even though where I'm at, like theologically, on that idea, like that, that works for some people. I don't think you have to say the right prayer in the right order, you know, the Romans road, and if you don't get it right, then you're not really, you know, saved, right? But it doesn't mean I have to take away from my experience when I was a young kid. That meant a lot to me. I remember my mom teaching us how to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, my mom is like, <laughs> right? And that, you know, that works for some people today. And I'm at a different place, and that's fine, but that still was very meaningful to me. I remember praying, with, I'd see the stars, and I would, I would pray to God, to the stars, right? That meant, <laughs> I don't know if I'm still a Christian anymore, but I did that, prayed to the stars. But when I became a teenager, right, I um, got involved at a, a church here in Cloquet, and it was a super positive experience. That's where I met my partner, where I met a lot of my friends. But what I experienced, prayer changed. Because prayer all of a sudden was um, filled with shame and angst and fear because of purity culture. Then they didn't do it directly, but they would talk about, oh, and I read, um, what is the name of the book? Um, the, the Into the Sky, um, what do we call that? Um, left Behind, what's the word? What word am I trying to think of when you, like, the rapture, yeah. <laughs> This is like every conversation with my wife. Hey, Nikki, you know where the ding, 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 ding is? <laughs> um, and so it, I was afraid that, um, that God would come back and everyone would be lifted into the sky. And we lived in Carlton where you could hear the train. And I thought that was like the horn, whatever the horn is. And that's going to like signal. So I'd get up in the middle of the night and like open my mom's door knowing if she's gone. And if my dad was still there, I was like, oh, well, we're on. <laughs> 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 um, so I had this fear and when it came to purity culture what they told us was God loves you if you don't right it was more not what you do it's what you don't do and as a 13 14 year old all the things I really wanted to do were on those list of things I don't get to do right and so because I still did those or thought those or even wanted those they told me in other messages that's bad that's evil You're, and they talk about damnation and hell. Well, you mix that all together with a 13-year-old, all you want to do is to belong. All you want to do is be accepted. And I had that in friends, and I found that with God. And so I would pray. I mean, I remember, and I haven't thought about this for a long time. Um, I, I remember a lot of times praying, begging God to forgive me. God, please love me. Please include me. Please let me stay here. I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to lose my salvation. This is like one of my big goals. The reason we talk about everything's connected, everyone belongs, the way I'm raising my children and using different words and that the goodness is already in you. You don't need to find it somewhere else. Is I want to, I've, oh man, I'm not gonna cry. If I could go back to 13 year old Chris and say, you're already good, right? How much trauma would that save, right? A 13 year old. How much trauma would that save a 20 year old, a 40 year old, right? Like so much, so prayer then was filled with shame and fear and then i stumbled into this group called the vineyard and the vineyard expanded my understanding of like coming into knowledge of god and what it meant to pray like they had this thing that i've never done before and they do you guys there's some vineyard folk here remember they would say was it like seven words that will change 
your life? And it was, can I pray for you right now? Yeah, right? Remember that? I remember, like, now, to be honest, if someone came up to me and said, can I pray for you right now? I'd say, how fast can I run away from you? <laughs> right, if it was a stranger, I'd be like, um, hey, I don't like touching people, let alone, <laughs> right? But I, that radically changed how I viewed um, uh, God and prayer. Because before, it'd be like, um, hey, can you pray for, um, I'm, everything I'm thinking of is inappropriate. Can you pray for my back? It hurts. It'd be like, yes, I will put it in my prayer journal. I'll, I'll pray for you later. And when they're like, no, we're going to pray for people right now. I could tell you, we had some awkward experiences, right? But a majority of them were incredibly powerful, meaning experiences. Even though I feel differently about it now, that is still a powerful thing. See, prayer is this, um, is mystical. Prayer doesn't always make sense. Prayer can be manipulative. Prayer can be um, really life-giving. And so like, going to, I remember going to Walmart and we're like gonna, as a youth group, we're like, we're gonna pray for people in Walmart. And I, I'm like, yeah, the kids can go do it, right? And like the students can go do it. And I'll, I'll, I'll hang in the back and I'll, I'll keep the bus warm, right? But I remember one, this one woman and I went down with one student and I'm like, hey, can, can we pray for you in the middle of Walmart? And she starts bawling. She starts saying, I've been feeling alone today. My son moved out. I don't know. This feels like, like this is a very God. She used some like God sent thing. I'm like, oh, this actually works. Prayers. Hey, imagine that. Prayer is a good thing. But also what I learned from the vineyard is that you could pray for each other. The vineyard, in their um, understanding of prayers, they pray for effect, right? They pray that things would happen, that God would do things now, not just later. And um, because of that, I had an accountability partner. Anyone else had accountability partners? And well, yeah, yeah, right? And mine was Nick Hansen. He's still one of my good buddies. And we showed at Dunn Brothers. We chilled at Dunn Brothers. And we'd sit there and we'd eat cinnamon rolls that were probably like 9,000 calories, right? At Dunn Brothers. And we'd talk about like our marriage. We would talk about um, being young professionals. We'd talk about money. We mostly talked about fantasy football, but we'd throw in some spiritual stuff to make it count. Um, and then we would pray for one another. So two like young men, and in the vineyard, we were told, you taught how to, um, you'd always touch someone and you keep your eyes open as you pray for them to see like what they were feeling, how they're responding. And so I've actually thought about this week of like, I wonder how many people showed up at Dunbar and saw two young men touching each other and looking at each other while the other one has their eyes closed and nodding their head as they want to praise, right? <laughs> right? But that was such a meaningful experience for me. I honestly don't think I would be where I'm at if I didn't have those moments. And why was it meaningful to me? Like, was it that God, when Nick would pray for me about um, feeling overwhelmed at my job or feeling overwhelmed at being a new dad, was it that all of a sudden Nick's words convinced God to do something that God wasn't going to do? Was God, that Nick's like praying for that? God's like, oh yeah, yeah, Chris, we should probably go help him out, right? And then God shows up. Were we changing God's mind? Like, what, what is it that prayer actually does? Because in the Bible, we have Moses who um, begs God not to kill a bunch of people, and God changes his mind or their mind. We have Peter who uh, prays for, like, for the church in Ephesus, right? Prays for wisdom and blessing. So he's like speaking this blessing over them. We have Jesus who begs to God, if we can do something different. And then Jesus, when he prays for healing, he just, he just gave commands. It wasn't this long, journal prayer. Jesus even says what we're going to read. Um, before the Lord's Prayer, he says, don't pray like the pagans. That's exactly what he says, which that word always makes me laugh, right? Um, 
where they just ramble on and on and on. And don't pray it on the streets. He says, go pray alone. Shut your door. Does anyone, if you want to confess this, even online, did anyone have a prayer closet? Does any, for, like there was an evangelical trend for a while. Thank you, Melissa, right? I remember, yeah. I remember like going into my bedroom and going to the closet and sitting there. I'm like, why, why am I doing this? Right? It's like, I guess I have to pray in the closet. That's where God meets me. Um, why, where am I getting, oh, right? So like, what is the, what is the purpose of prayer? We see so many, um, in the Psalms, one of the prayers is, God, will you come and kick my enemy's teeth in? Curb stop my enemies. So like, what is it that prayer actually does? This is what I think. I, I'd say yes to all of it, right? I say yes to all of it. I think what prayer for me is, as I've evolved and thought about it, prayer, the reason that that prayer was so effective is that when Nick would say something, Nick was reminding me of who I really was. He was affirming who I already was. He was um, in solidarity with me saying, yes, we, we recognize, I recognize that Chris's job is really hard and he's lonely right now and that you're already good. Because I think that, the, 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 that God and um, the Christ is in all people and prayer is not going out and all of a sudden, like when I pray for my daughter before she goes to bed and I say, uh, Kira, what do you want me to pray for you about? And Kira will often say that I'll have a good day at school tomorrow. Like, it's not like God is up in heaven saying, I'm going to make school horrible for Kira tomorrow. And I can't wait. Yeah, right? And then all of a sudden I pray and God's like, no, I was going to make it horrible. Now it's going to be good. Right? It's a way of, of, of Kira, my daughter, who I love, identifying, maybe I feel a little bit nervous about school tomorrow. Or it's a way of saying, I really do want school to be good because I enjoy school. Prayer can be grieving. Prayer can be celebrating. Prayer can mean you're scared. Prayer can mean you're confused. Prayer can mean that you really want good things and it's already in you. It's already around you. So for me, the, the mysticism of prayer can move us into different spaces of discovering new things about ourselves, discovering things uh, about God. This is what Jesus actually teaches. Oh, if we treat prayer exactly like a model, if we treat prayer as, if you do this, this happens. Or, like, I don't know if anyone else is a suspicious person. I am, right? <laughs> Look at Melissa, right? right? If, we, if, if you treat prayer analytically, and I know a lot of people like this, um, we miss out on something about God because you can't quantify the divine. Even the word God is a name we give to something that can never be named, right? It's just like, well, we don't know what it is, so we'll just throw God at it, deity, I, pref I personally like the, the name divine because it, to me, it like transcends, it's more expansive. But in the like enlightenment period, right, where things about science um, and about uh, what we know to be true and things are getting um, discovered and disproven, also applied to theology. Because before the enlightenment period, they say, of course the earth was created in six days. It says right here, of course all humans came from two bodies, right? Like that's just how it works, it says right here. Enlightenment period, they're like, well, what if it's like not true? What if like the earth actually revolves around the sun, right? What if we don't need to blame women for all sins of humankind, right? If you'd say that, say, well, yeah, they'd say, <laughs> they would say burn the witch, right? That's what they do. Yeah, burn the witch. And if and that brings, brought a lot of wisdom and hope. But if we live in this world of saying, well, then there is no miracles, um, prayer doesn't really do anything and there's an answer for everything that's a cold world and I 
have seen and experienced some things. I myself am, uh, got healed of something. And I still, whenever I think about it, and I don't often like to talk about it because I still feel odd. I wish I didn't. I wish I could like celebrate. I still feel odd. It's like, well, did I really get healed? Was it, or was that like some random scientific thing that happened in my body at that moment when someone prayed for me? And I'm like, oh, well, why am I trying to talk myself out of that? For whatever reason, I don't know why I experienced the healing. I prefer to be in that mystical world. I prefer to be in that nuanced space that we can use science. We can use therapy, <laughs> right? Please use therapy, right? We can, we can pray for a school to be great. We can pray for humans. We can pray that God would um, bring new life in us. And this is what Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, right? I say the Lord's Prayer almost, um, look at me slapping myself in the back. I say the Lord's Prayer almost every day because I'm, uh, I'm really cool, right? And um, we, if you ever want a Bible, we have uh, Bibles up here. If you ever want to follow along or you want to get up in the middle of a service and everyone can watch you <laughs> and grab one or you can take one after. But this is what Jesus talks on prayer. And this is in um, Matthew 6. And this is on the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is like, this is like his all-time greatest hit. So he's like on the, um, the comeback tour, right, going around. And he's just, he's, he's, he's singing out all the bangers. And um, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And I believe that Jesus did not just teach us one time. I personally believe that this is something that Jesus taught over and over and over again. I imagine he used different words. Imagine that he added different elements. And Jesus not teaching us only say these words. I think Jesus is saying, this is like a way of seeing. This is a way of understanding. This is a way of like coming into having relationship with God, with yourself, and those around you. And he chose to use these words. Oh, I don't need to read it. And he starts off with, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And what that, <laughs> Sarah, I feel like Sarah's mocking me back there. She's be like, <laughs> uh, um, the idea of father, and maybe your relationship with father or relationship with your mother, mine is at an all-time high, right? Love you guys. But maybe it's not so positive, right? So maybe you could change out to your chosen family. But the whole idea is that uh, this God is a part of um, a system. This God is close. This God has a history. Families have a rhythm. Families have a reputation, <laughs> right? Families have a legacy. There's something more than just you're up there, I'm down here. There's something deeper. So Jesus starting, this is where you start. And the idea of hollowing, hollowing is something that, um, like the first time I saw um, the Rocky Mountains, right? That was a hollowing experience of where I thought it was like clouds and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a mountain. That's not Montelac. Right? That's not Spirit Mountain. That is a mountain. And you, I felt a presence. I felt, um, I felt an energy. Halloween is recognizing something that's big, that is gorgeous, that is something larger than yourselves. So Jesus is saying, there's a history, there's an intimacy, and it's good. And it's so much bigger, and it's so incredibly positive. That's where Jesus starts with praying. Then says, let your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is teaching us, Whatever you think of heaven, right? The kingdom of God is the central message of um, what the Christ speaks of more than anything else. And what Jesus is saying is, whatever you think heaven is, whenever you envision heaven, pray and ask and clarify, realize that maybe that could happen now. When we think of heaven, a lot of people think of future, right? And actually, I mean, I'm going on a tangent. It really says a lot of how you think about God and how you think about heaven 
if when people say, well, what is it you want in heaven? When you think about heaven, if you think about heaven as you being by yourself, like on a cloud with a harp or streets of gold and you get everything you want. Like we think about heaven, like there's no sickness and you can like dunk a basketball. That's me, right? And you're gonna be able to dunk on your dano. Um, and, and you have, you get everything you want, right? Kind of gives you an idea of how you picture God. That God is here to give me everything I want. The goal in life is for Chris to succeed and get everything that I want. When Jesus talks about the kingdom, Jesus talks a lot about liberation, freedom, inclusion, equity, right? When we think about heaven as us just prospering, we're missing the plot. Because when Jesus says this prayer, pray that whatever in heaven is coming here, well, what does heaven really look like? Because heaven looks like justice. Heaven looks like equality and equity. Like Heaven looks like when we see someone hurting, we do something about it. We just don't hope that someone else doesn't do it. We just don't vote for someone else, for them to come up with some policy. It'll never make a difference, but makes us feel good because we don't have to get our hands dirty. That's what heaven looks like. Jesus is saying, pray that when you see something happening, that God would do something good because that's who God is. But it also begs the question, if we pray that, how is God going to bring heaven to your body? How is God going to bring heaven to your school? How is God going to bring heaven to your community? Is God all of a sudden going to be like, oh, systemic racism, gone. Yeah, God, woo, let's go. All right? We finally did the right prayer. What's God going to do? God's going to use you. <laughs> so Jesus sense is saying, are you aware of what heaven is? Are you aware of what's happening on earth? Like I change up the word, um, uh, the kingdom come, that will be, I have to start from the beginning. The kingdom come, that will be done on earth as is in heaven. I change out earth and I'll put my family's name. I'll change out earth and I'll say my body. I'll change out earth and I'll say our church. Like I want heaven to happen in neighborhood church. I want heaven to happen to my friends in Iowa. I want heaven to happen in my family, in my marriage. Because Jesus is saying, get clear of what it is you think heaven is and what are you gonna do about it? And where is heaven needed? Can you even spot where there's brokenness? Can you even spot where there needs some liberation for you? Then Jesus goes on right from there, goes to um, give us up this day our daily bread. This means your needs matter. This isn't just like my spiritual bread, I need it, Lord, right? It's like your physical health matters. Your physical, your, your mental needs matter, right? Your sobriety matters. Right? That is a need. You have to be aware of what it is you need. Jesus is saying, yeah, let's, like, let's actually meet it. Meet with your therapist. Go for a run. Go to your meetings. Laugh. Right? Read a book. <laughs> like get, in, get some culture into you, Weaver. Right? Like let's, let's do something. Let's continue to meet those needs. And sometimes we think of spirituality. It's like, oh, no, we're going to meet other people's needs. We're going to focus on anyone. And we'll say, oh, I don't need it. I, I, I'm not really worth it. Jesus is saying, pray that your needs are met. Then it goes on to, this is what I always forget, give us, and forgives, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus is saying, this is where we live, is that we give, that we love. We love in unfair ways. We give love even when people don't, what we deem they don't deserve it. And then it wraps up with saying, lead, lead us not temptation, but deliver us from evil. And previous Chris, or younger Chris, always was confused by this. I'm saying, why? Am I praying for God to deliver me from evil? Is God like dangling the carrot of evil in front of me? Saying, Chris, do you really want the evil? You better pray I don't give it to you, right? Um, there's this book called 57 um, Words That um, Changed a Life or Changed the World. Um, 
and this he talked about of what what Jesus is teaching us to pray is like can we actually identify what tempts us can you clarify the things that you move towards that you think are gonna bring you life but they never do can you see the pitfalls can you see the holes that you continually move towards and it always brings you harm it always leaves you wanting more it never hits the mark and saying you pray God help me be able to identify it and then move away from that because I don't know about you but it's really easy for me to think oh this time this is gonna make me feel better right if I eat all of these this time I'm gonna feel a lot of joy at the end of it right and it never works but I promise you I'll think about it this afternoon think I better eat two Jack's pizzas because that's gonna make me feel better right <laughs> So Jesus is in this way of praying, this way of realizing, he's saying that it's, clo it's closer than you think, it's better than you think. Can you see the needs of your community and can you clarify and actually participate in heaven happening around you? That your needs matter, that we give love always and that we can actually like grow. If we can see the things that ens um, ensnagle, ens no, ensnare. We can think of the things that ensnare us, we can actually grow. So this is where I leave you. Start somewhere with prayer. Maybe for you, prayer is something that you've had upset down for a while. Maybe like me, prayer has evolved and it's moved into something mystic. Maybe you have moved from like, can I pray for you right now? And maybe you've moved on from like even asking for prayer. Like whatever prayer might mean to you, I'd encourage you to try something else. Because prayer, to me, if prayer is reminding and, and, uh, and clarifying with God what I feel and what I want and what I need, then for me, uh, if you ever see me walking and I'm talking, like my mouth is moving, I'm not on the phone. I walk and pray out loud and I practice my messages out loud while I walk up and down the streets because it's just how I learn. I've learned that praying out loud um, is, has a lot of meaning for me. Um, I read a lot of poetry as prayer. You could read the Psalms as prayer. You could actually be around a table of friends laughing as a way of affirming that this place is holy and good and that can be prayer. You could sing prayers. There's so many different options. I'd encourage you, like, reimagine it and start somewhere. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask everyone to stand, if you're able, and we're going to pray. When's the last time we stood at the end of a service? I'm going to pray, and then um, Sarah's going to close us with one last song. Ooh, I just got taller. Whew. So God... We love you. And I thank you that you're good, and I thank you that you are majestic. And I do pray that your kingdom would come to us, and your will would be done in our bodies, in our minds, in our relationships, in our towns, in our workplaces, in our family systems, in our friends. I ask that you would use us to bring heaven to those places. And I pray for my friends who have needs, who feel they have to punch down their needs, they feel they have to discard their needs, they feel like they have to even hide their needs. To be needy is to be dangerous, to be needy is to be less than. God, I pray that you'd come and let us be able to identify and move towards having our needs met. I pray you help us give love to the people is not easy to give love to. Maybe that's even ourselves. I ask that you would help us be able to identify what are those things that um, 
and we continually go back to get life, to get validation, to get pleasure that never really deliver. Help us be able to see what is life-giving, where we can grow, where we can find meaning, and we choose that instead. And I thank you for the people who are here. God, I thank you for this church. Thank you that we have a community that we can inspire and encourage one another and celebrate with one another and challenge one another. I ask that your kingdom would come to this church as we continue on. We love you. Amen. So I'm actually going to read a prayer that I wrote a little over a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and then I'm going to do a song. So Chris lied to you. <laughs> um, but I, as Chris was talking, just was thinking about my experience of prayer and the evolution of that. And it has a, a definition of prayer that has landed well <laughs> with me is just getting present and getting honest. And that can mean a lot of things, but prayer has just become getting present and getting honest, and it, it offers perspective a lot of the time. And so um, I'm gonna share a super honest prayer um, that isn't pretty, but then I'm gonna sing a song that is um, the same, same feel of getting present and getting honest. So. <clears throat> Sometimes I don't know how to talk to you. With all that we've been through, I'm without words. I can't separate myself from you, but sometimes intimacy is so quiet, I start to panic. I envelop myself and become a never-ending spiral of self-absorbed anxiety. I don't want to need you. I want to be strong and to prove to you and everyone that I am enough. I don't want to bother you, for surely your love is conditional and eventually I'll become too much of a burden for you to carry. God, I want to know you. You have to trust that when I push you away, it's not about you, it's about me. I just want to figure it out. I just have to try to do it on my own and I think I get that from my father, but father, you have to show me how to let you in. Immersed in your grace, I swim back to your open arms. I don't know how to do this, but every day I will try to be close to you and to let love become me.
心。